From Bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into the back room, into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day, we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this sub-sub-basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay. Improving. This meeting is now in session. Happy social distancing. Happy social distancing to you. How was your social distancing? Does that sound like I was at a distance? Oh, pretty good. I am. Uh, I'm feeling very uh, socially distant from uh, everybody. Everybody I meet is at least six feet away from me, and six kilometers emotionally distant from me. Oh, very nice. How do you how do you maintain that like strong emotional distance from everyone? Uh, keep my eyes downcast and uh, those lenses on your glasses that darken when you go outside in the sun. Oh, nice. So the the nicer the day, the less of your eyes they can see. Okay, so that that just means that when the nicer of a day it is, the cooler you look. Cooler and, yeah. I wish I was that cool. If I were that cool, I'd be super emotionally distant towards everyone. It's important. That's what men do. Yeah, I guess I am no man. No man at all. I'm like Ulysses. Anyway. You got to step up your game. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Manly age. Manly age, Aiden. That's indeed is manly, manly times. And I'm falling down on the manliness job. All right. Well, anyway, first order of business, I'm going to grow a, a, a beard, a manly beard to be more manly. Um, I'll get a, uh, I don't know about a motorcycle, maybe a moped, maybe a scooter. Those are manly. Uh, shall, shall we take attendance? Oh, yes, please. Okay. Uh, attendee, first attendee is uh, Chon Deeple. Nope. Chon Deeple. No, I hear no John. Nobody named Chon here, I don't think. No, I no, no Chon? Oh, okay. No. Uh, funny, uh, Chon Deeple. Um, well, while we wait for him to show, I will, I'll tell you about him. Uh, long regarded as the Serbian Buster Keaton, despite not being Serbian or having anything to do with the silent film industry, Chon uh, Deeple is known for his uh, early attempt to gain accolades for his work. Oh, well, Because work. his mother, to gain accolades... For for what work though? For 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 all of his work. Oh. Uh, well, he, when he was young, his mother said, "Chon, the most important thing in the world as you get older is to get accolades." Uh, so anyway, when when he was in a position to get accolades, he found out to his horror that they weren't actually any specific object, but were actually just you know once you know was part of a ceremony of medieval knighthood, but you know since the mid-19th century, just kind of means praise or reward. Uh, So he was so horrified by this idea that he made it his life's work to turn accolades into actual objects that could be given out. Oh, nice. Uh, What did they look? Did you ever see them? Well, he never really really got around to making like a a, a working accolade, Um, but he made many designs. Uh, He actually had a a campaign for the reification of accolades, as he called it. Mm-hmm. Um, his most fanciful accolade, and the one that he was most fascinated with, was a uh, kind of a warehouse-filling supercomputer uh, whose sole purpose was to design and produce more accolades. Uh, and he was particularly taken by this idea, and he ended up um, going a little off the deep end and preaching what he called the accolade gospel, which posited that the ultimate destiny of the universe was for all matter to be converted to accolades, uh, whose function would be to, quote, prepare the way for the prime kudo. Uh, Anyway, beyond which nothing could be praised. Um, uh, He got as far as making an early uh, small-scale prototype of his uh, accolade machine, uh, but was horribly mangled by it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Did he survive the mangling? No, no. It was also suggested that um, he was trying to be intimate with the with the accolade machine. So, yeah. But that's just a rumor. Oh, okay. All we do know is that he's very definitely dead and obviously not coming. That's sad. That's a really yeah. sad way to go. I agree. Um, and I hope he never actually got any of his machines to work because one day in the future, this universe will be nothing but accolades. That would be terrible. 
It would be terrible. I mean, not for not for the Prime Kudo. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on. You know what? Uh, when I ran it through my um, my label maker, I mixed up the letters. Oh, you know, yeah. that's actually how I print everything. I type everything is on a label maker. Uh, so the printer ran out of ink. What are you going to do? Uh, perish the thought. Mm. Um, I will, I'll use my own blood for ink. Oh, should be Paul Deschen, not oh, Sean Deal. That's me. Oh, okay. So uh, anyway, um, let's move on to the uh, second attendee, um, Adia Wrongman, aka no, no, no uh, known as the uh, the wrong man for the job. Uh, he distinguished himself as the least competent person of the 20th century. Uh, he was born with severe tinnitus, acute directional dyslexia, as well as a mustache on the back of his neck. Hmm. Huh. Uh, one accomplishment is the invention of the embedded monocle, which he originally devised as a set of glasses with three lenses, which would one of which would drop down when the other wore out. Uh, but it was a tremendously impractical device that broke immediately and caused a uh, lens to lodge in the wearer's eye socket permanently. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, he attempted to breed uh, no-legged dogs, screaming turtles, and motorized horses, all of which ended in grotesque and immediate failure. Uh, he's rumored to have started the Boer War, actually, after an attempt at designing a nail bomb alarm clock. Um, that one's spectacularly wrong. He's the author of 62 different advice books, all of which have resulted in at least one fatality and may have actually been one of the causes of uh, global warming. So anyway, um, and so the city has hired him as a consultant on the, on the downtown development plan and temporary parking lots. Oh really? Yes. Oh. So I'm 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 curious to hear what he has to say. Although I I worry that he might not be able to find us here in the uh, in the sub basement. You know what I'm worried about? What's that? He might be overqualified. <laughs> he, he just he just might be. And anyway, but I, I I'm hoping he can build a parking lot that would actually uh, cause like you know crashes and uh, and have. You know, cars actually rolling off the, the grade. Uh, anywho, um, well, while we're waiting for him, and I just honestly, I just can't imagine him showing up. Uh, we can have me. Um, oh, and my name is actually. Oh, here's something interesting. Fun fact: my name is an anagram of Adia Wrongman. Really? What a coincidence! Yeah, Aiden Morgan. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? Aiden Morgan. I mean, oh, what okay. a coincidence, hey? Yeah, that that tracks uh, what's on your uh, your name tag. Oh, cool. Okay. I knew, I knew that, yeah, I, I like this name tag, but I'm so glad it has my name on it that, that everything works out. All right. Um, so we're here. Uh, do we have quorum? We do not. We do not. We'll, we will proceed regardless. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? We don't have to worry too much because today uh, this meeting isn't going to be focused on uh, passing improvements, writing reports. We're kind of in the lame duck session of the current council. They're not, they're not after improvements right now. They're not doing nothing. They're just, we're just like one, waiting around until their replacements come along. So uh, we're more fulfilling our uh, public education mandate. And so uh, once again, we'll be playing a few uh, interviews that I've done with some mayoral candidates. Uh, as you might recall, last, uh, last meeting, we had an interview with a uh, mayoral candidate, uh, four-time mayoral candidate, Jim Elliott lovely gentleman. Uh, he spoke about why he, why he's running again. And we also spoke with uh, mayoral candidate Sandra Masters. To date, she still seems to be the mayoral candidate with the most buzz. Uh, Fougere, obviously, is the incumbent, is the person to beat for the top job. But uh, Sandra Masters is still sort of dominating uh, a lot of the sort of news about the uh, municipal election. She uh, she's received some pushback since our interview. Uh, one of the things cool. that she talked about was um, uh, in her platform, she has a a pledge to do a review, a management review, an administration review of city uh, city hall, where she's seeking fifteen percent inefficiencies. She wants fifteen percent in savings. And uh, in our interview, we talked about how that's fifteen percent of a four hundred and seventy million dollar. Uh, budget that comes out to $70 million she's attempting to find. And she's been receiving some pushback from Mayor Fougere. They've had dueling press conferences uh, over the last week uh, focused on this, where she's saying, oh, at least I'm trying to find efficiencies. 
Whereas Fougere is saying that uh, you know he's not a, he's not opposed to efficiencies, but he thinks the fifteen percent target is uh, unrealistic and will result in job losses. Based on my conversation with Sandra Masters, I do have to wonder how how realistic that fifteen percent figure is. She suggested more that it's important to have targets more so than that it was a hard and fast fifteen percent that she was looking for. I don't know. I think that. Uh, this is this is a road the city's gone down a couple of times already. They did a core services review in 2005, uh, and that was exactly the same thing that Sandra Masters is suggesting, where every department was supposed to look at what they do and try to find better ways to do their job and find ways to save and be more efficient. And they only managed to find eight and a half million dollars. I think it's a little bit shy of seventy million. It's a little shy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have my calculator uh, with me. I, I ate it to uh, reduce inefficiencies. So I, I, can, I can say confidently that $70 million is more than $8 million. Okay, good, good. I was just going on my gut. <laughs> I didn't do the math. So and we were also, there was, there was an announcement that we were doing a core services review in 2017. I have found very, very little on it apart from an initial promise to, to find two and a half, two to 2.7 million in savings in the first year. But they haven't, the 2005 core services review council talked about this ad nauseum for like three or four years. Uh, I've heard mm. nothing about the 2017 core services review, which makes me think that it might've been, you know, considerably less successful than the one done in 2005. So I think this idea of trying to achieve 15% in savings She's asking to do the exact same thing as we've done twice before, but get a, you know, a nine times as big, 10 times as big result. So I think this is a little unrealistic, but who knows? I guess uh, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But anyways, uh, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned into the community. And uh, just one last point about the Sandra Masters interview. Uh, It was really nice talking to her. She was a lovely person. Uh, and it was really refreshing to speak to somebody who also, Jim Elliott, two people who uh, are extremely knowledgeable about what's been going on at city council over the last few years. And so it was a really good conversation with Sandra and with Jim in that regard. They were both able to speak quite fluently about what's going on in the city. Uh, and you know who else can speak very fluently about what's going on in the city? A Jerry Flagel. Oh, oh, oh. oh. So that's our next interview, and we're going to play that right now. Uh, this is uh, Councillor Jerry Flagel, now Mayoral Candidate Jerry Flagel, telling us what he's uh, what he's running for. I, I have a bone to pick with you, Jerry. Okay. Your motion for a temporary downtown surface parking lot policy. Right. Not a fan. Okay. What inspired this? The um, actually the downtown association inspired it. So, so you with this? Oh, absolutely! Like it's a hundred percent. There was buy-in from the downtown. There was downtown from the from the downtown bid. Miss um, uh, Veriseth and the rest of the board actually met with it. We helped sculpt it, put it together. The reason we did that is there's a couple of. First of all, the first thing is the cleaning up of the yards, the cleaning up of the vacant lots. There's no usage being put on them. There's no parking. The other part is people continually complain. And I mean, through COVID, it's a little bit different because there's less people. But pre-COVID, everybody was saying there's nowhere to park downtown. Nowhere to park downtown. So the moratorium was put in place to enhance people. But what it didn't do was it didn't give anybody, so it didn't give anybody an extra parking spot. So what this is going to do, Paul, is that it's going to help the business community downtown for not having to take all of the one hour, two hour, one hour, two hour parking spots. They will then have more room to find a spot for their staff. They um, I've had real estate agents and developers saying, look, there's no place to park. We can't even find 40 parking stalls. We have to go seven blocks away. Our rental of leases of renting and leasing of those properties is not going to happen because there's no parking. So by, and there's two vacant lots right next door that we've said, no, you can't park there. 
Plus the fact that, yeah, okay, there's uh, cleanliness is involved, the garbage thing. So when you, when you put something there that is utilized, the, the person that owns that property looks after it better. When it's a vacant lot, if you drive right by now today, the Traveler's Lodge, uh, the Traveler's, uh, old Traveler's Building, it's awful. I stood there. I did one of my videos from there. It's, it's terrible. And, and there's more like that in the city. And, and when you, so when you got the downtown association looking at it and they're going, hey, this actually could be a good idea. We brought it, I brought it forward. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, uh, some of my colleagues on council thought, why are we doing this? And we're not even talking about this. Well, that was a stall tactic because they didn't want to deal with it. And that seems to be a problem, um, you know, with, um, with some of the people that I know. So if you take this, bring the downtown into it, bring the retail into it, bring the restaurants into it. And if they have more on-street parking and meters to use for patrons that want to come for lunch, want to come for supper, drop into the whatever, wherever, and there's a parking spot, they'll plug a buck in and away they go. And away. And whereas you get those people, if you watch, I've watched downtown, they circle around, they circle mm-hmm. around, they circle around. They're waiting for that prime spot right in front of the Cornwall Center or right in front of their favorite restaurant. They will not blow off half a block. But if we can get some of those, um, because there's staff that work four hours, and where do they park? Right on Hamilton Street, right on, you know, Scar Street. And, and they're taking that away from patrons that want to come in for a quick hour go. So the bone to pick would be that we didn't do it sooner uh, because that could have helped all the businesses downtown. I think what I'm seeing, though, is that uh, if you look at the downtown, over 20% of it, right? So like one in five square feet of downtown or more is already surface parking lot. And uh, we had the downtown plan saying, look, this is crazy. We can't have any more of this, um, even on a temporary basis, because clearly something has broken down. Like every single surface parking lot, when the downtown plan was being put in place, I spoke to people at the city and I was like, well, how are we gonna get rid of these surface parking lots? And they were like, well, when, when market conditions are right, all those surface parking lots will get developed. And every surface parking lot was kind of understood to be temporary in the sense that once market conditions are right, those lots will be turned into buildings. Mm -hmm. And yet we just went through the biggest boom time in Saskatchewan since like 1911 and not a single surface parking lot was developed. What's broken about downtown that we can't get developers to start? We've got people tearing down heritage homes in cathedral to put up, Multi, multi-unit housing, but we can't get a surface parking lot downtown turned into an office tower or a retail strip or, you know, a hockey arena. Like every one of those parking lots is being preserved. And now we're like basically saying, well, you can have more surface parking lots for three to five years. Like this doesn't seem to be addressing the root problem of underdevelopment in the downtown. The, um, well, the thing with the, the parking surfaces is that if the developer doesn't want to build down there, they don't have to build. So, uh, you know, um, some of these guys are just waiting for land speculation. So my biggest thing is, is that, and I, I'll just, you, you're, you're asking me to tell you about the entertainment and sports facility downtown. Basically, when we do that, we have, we have no other option than that. I, you know what, I have no issues with Everest, I have no issues with anybody, but if we ever build another stadium and it's coming sooner than later, it better be downtown because there, there is no other place for it to be and it will generate more revenue and income for everybody around the city than if you built a new one on Everest. And I, I just can't say that enough. If you want to look to the future of Regina, then you got to go with me because I'm going to be the guy that's going to push that kind of a thing because I believe, and I've always said this, if you don't have a healthy downtown, you don't have a city. And this is just all, and this is not just pie in the sky, you know, promise, promise, promise. This is actual fact. The Mm -hmm. Taylor Field lands, everybody's going, we need housing, homelessness, housing, homelessness, housing. They have not done a thing. The mayor has not done anything on that homeless strategy. And it's, it's absolutely it, it just breaks my heart that we can't get anywhere. And all I did was I talked to three people, three. All I talked to three people and two of them have got interest to build a grocery store, a doctor's office, a dentist, an amenities, a senior's care home, like a, a senior living accommodation, 
townhouses down the side, parking at the back, green space. We're talking, and it's only been in the last month and a half. And I can't provide action because we're not, I'm, not, I'm not in control, right? I'm yep. not the leader yet. When I'm the leader, we're going to see some stuff happening, and I'm pro-business. I'm all about creating local jobs, local economy, construction jobs for everybody, whether it's unionized, whether it's trades or skills, corporate, it, it doesn't matter because my focus is not about me and what I'm going to do. It's mm-hmm. about what we can do as a community. Sorry, the vacant land thing, it's more than just a vacant land. But right now, the, the main concern when you hear people talking is that there's nowhere to park downtown. So we've got to get the office people off the streets and provide a parking space, clean it up, make it look better, fence it, light it, electrify it if necessary, whatever the case is, and that'll change the scope. And then drive investment to investment to build. I find it interesting that, uh, so if we look at Fougere, what he has said and what Masters, what she has said, um, they are talking about efficiencies, tax freezes. You're talking about renewal. Uh, You're talking about investment. So that distinguishes you from them. Um, Thank you. I'm wondering about the portion where you're talking about a baseball diamond, uh, hockey arena, uh, downtown in the warehouse, like in the uh, rail lands, and then affordable housing. Are you envisioning these things as city-owned and funded projects? Um, two of the three, no. And uh, the third one would be a partial, because, I mean, we have to get involved. There's no doubt about it. At some point, we have to get involved. The, the uh, Taylor Field, 100% investment. The Dooney Lands, close to 100% investment. And I mean, because how do you get a, how do you get, um, unless we can find, maybe you can find, how do you get private investors to invest in a farmer's market? That's kind of a community thing. You know, that's more of a community thing. How do you get people to invest in a skateboard park and an ice pad on, on Dudney Lands? That's pretty much community. Ball diamond, pickleball um, is absolutely that's there's that one can be absolutely private. Uh, the hockey arena, uh, stadium, event, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, right now, we're looking at a pretty significant amount of private investment, uh, more so than uh, community. But at the end of the day, who benefits? The community on all three projects. But uh, I've had nobody say anything about community money going into Taylor Field. And that's the part that's frustrating is because the mayor has always said, well, housing is not our issue. Housing is not our issue. Um, you know, it's, it's provincial and federal. Well, you know what? This is Regina. We've got to fix it. It's been talked about for way too long. And am I going to be the mayor that's going to go spend crazy? No, not at all. I'm, I'm legit. I'm putting their things. The other big thing that we've got to work on is the police budget because we are so far behind in officers on the street, it's not even funny anymore. I mean, Saskatoon has a budget of $115 million. Ours is about 96. But the biggest difference between Saskatoon's budget and ours is that all of their support staff and their civilian members, their salaries are paid by the city of Saskatoon, not the police budget. So Regina's budget the 97 million has a component of about of whatever the number is, eight or $10 million for civilian budgets. So their police budget is probably about 86 million and Saskatoon's 115 police to police. We are so far behind that our crime rate is high. Our response calls are terrible for, we just went through this because of understaffing of our boots on the street. But I I believe that if you stop building, stop progressing your city, you're going to end up like a Detroit, Michigan. If you stop and only rely on one source, which they did, the auto industry, and when that dried up, they had zero. I think their population, I can't remember the number of population that it went from 1.2 million to 350,000 people because of the auto industry. 
if we lost one industry out of our city, we have to make sure that we have other ways to support people that want to stay here, whatever it happens to be. And if it's more usage downtown, if it's more usage on Dudney land, I have a pretty good insight as to what's going on in the city compared to a lot of, and, and I always want to go back to that St. Louis blues, um, yeah. uh, you know, because if you have somebody that knows the system and has got excitement and knows how to do things and you give them the reins, you'll see a lot of a different, you'll, you'll see a lot different city in Regina after four years than you would in the previous eight. Um, another analogy is Vegas, like the Vegas Knights, brand new team, brand new council, brand new whatever, but they hired a coach that had experience. They didn't hire a rookie. No way, man. They didn't want to take the chance. And guess what? The first year, they went to the Stanley Cup. Yep. You know? So there is, there is something to be said about um, uh, experience. And, and people have always said, well, people, a few people have said to me, well, you know, you've been around. You're doing this. You're doing that. I said, yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid for a few years as the political world goes. But yeah. this last term, no thanks. I'm not a fan. And uh, I've seen things that go on that shouldn't, and we just I just couldn't revolt, couldn't change that. And I want to change it as a leader. And when you lead, everybody follows an example. And if you set the right example, people lead and everybody's successful. Mm-hmm. Big and small. That's what I want to do. And my kid and grandson, I want them to stay here. So right on. that's my motivation. And we're back. Paul, Aiden, we have an emergency. What's the emergency, Aiden? We're all out of warehouses. What? That can't be possible. Wait, hold on. I believe there's been a fresh supply of warehouses for us to store things in. Phew. I didn't want to have to hit the the warehouses klaxon. No way. Yeah, no, no worries because the Warehouse Business Improvement District is on the case supplying Regina with warehouses as well as retail stores, restaurants, bars, other shops, and residences. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know what they do at all, but I do know they sponsor um, these meetings the, uh, at the Queen City Improvement Bureau, uh, and we're very grateful to them for helping, helping keep us on the air. Yeah. Uh... Thanks very much for that, Warehouse Business Improvement District. And uh, with, with the money that they've uh, provided to support this show, we've been able to get these new fluorescent lights down here in the sub-basement. Mm-hmm. They make us look kind of like uh, waxy corpses, and I appreciate it. Yeah, much better than not being able to see you at all. That is debatable, but okay. <laughs> uh. Well, I, you know, I, I'm happy. I think it'll make it easier to get our paperwork done and, and write our many reports. That's true. I've discovered that a lot of my paperwork, I've just literally been writing on my desk and on my legs and on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And I've discovered that I've been writing my reports on your legs. <laughs> I, I know. I've, I've seen your signature many times. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Now that we have the lights on, I guess you'll just have to do it deliberately. Yeah. All right. Well, next up on the agenda, we have interviews with uh, Darren Bradley, mayoral candidate, and George Wooldridge, another mayoral candidate. Uh, Both, again, lovely men. Uh, I think it's, um, I don't think I'm, uh, I don't even need to do polling to know that I think they're both Maybe not front runners. Maybe not front runners. Yeah, but uh, I guess we'll see. We've got two weeks. Um, uh, great chats with both of them, and uh, we can play those right now. How goes the campaign? Darren Bradley, candidate for mayor of Regina. It's going great. It's just yeah. nice meeting people and getting out there. It's it's crazy. Never never thought it'd be this busy, even during the pandemic. You want to be like Regina's blue collar mayor? Yeah. How would that be different from what we currently have? I see it as I just have no agenda, no hidden agenda. You know, 
no, no side deals. No, you know, I don't, I know a lot of people and I know that they'll, they'll work to make Regina better, but I, you know, just a, a regular person going in there. And I see a lot of people that are running for council too, that are just, you know, they're not, they're not high society. They're just blue collar guys and they want to just work for Regina. And that's, that's what I want to be. That's, right. that's the guy I want to be. I, you can come to me and go, Hey, Darren, you're doing a crappy job. And I'll take your, I'll take your input. You know what I mean? Like, or you're doing a great job. I want to be approachable. Um, you, you mentioned also that uh, you want to make uh, strong unions is important to you. Do, does that mean that you think that the unions are particularly uh, weak, like especially like the city unions? No, I want to, I want to be, I want to work for every, like work for every worker, but our unions have to be supported because our city is a union town. <laughs> we have to admit that. Like, they're they're. We need to support them as a as as the mayor clearly represented the current one. Not in the uniform. He didn't even say a word during that whole strike. You you have to say something. Like you have to say something. Right. Stand up for. You can. You don't have to take a side. You can just be supportive for. Kind of be a mediator almost and go. Hey, you guys, like, let's get something solved, but say something. And I think that's what our mayor needs to do. He needs to stand up for everybody in Regina. Um, what are you hearing, uh, especially from, say, union workers? Currently, that they're not happy with the current mayor. And they're, they're more mad that he never said anything. To try and drill into what you kind of want to accomplish, what do you, like, what is the issue that the current council has done or the um, direction that the current council has taken that has inspired you to run for mayor? That's a hard question. I don't know. Uh, just hearing people like, I just, I just, they want to see something done for their tax dollars. But the blue collar people <laughs> don't feel that they're seeing anything for their dollars. They just see their taxes go up, their water bill go up and they're like, why, why? Well, Victoria Avenue is, looks amazing don't get me wrong but i think we've done that four times in the last eight years or ten years like at some point we have to either we're doing it wrong or we're just throwing money at it every time just to appease somebody i don't know like and that's what i feel that that's the feedback i'm getting is that yeah we need somebody in there that just wants to work for the people and not for certain people what specifically are people seeing not like, do they, is there something that they point to, they say, I wish my tax dollars were doing this or fixing this or, you know, cleaning this up. Do you know what I mean? Like, what exactly are people like, saying okay. they need they need from their tax dollars? Like one email I, ha- I received, uh, she was talking about our asbestos cement water lines. At what point are we going to change those where I think Edmonton has like a thousand kilometers and we have like 600 kilometers? Of, of lines that they're even at the possibility of causing cancer at some point yeah that should be scared scared enough why aren't we getting that fixed we have to take care of the old stuff as well as putting in the new stuff but we yeah. can't forget the old stuff and we are forgetting the old stuff that's what's happening yeah. to regina are you hearing about roads because that's that's one of the standard ones at election time is roads yeah potholes there's a lot of bad roads in regina <laughs> Yeah. a lot and i i get like you can't do them all at once but you have to start showing that you're doing them we just started showing that well you drive by a residential road and you go oh they're fixing that road it's probably yeah. been 15 years but there's roads that have been done that are newer than some of the older roads that they don't know how that process how that new road get in front of the 25 year old road versus you know like that yeah. can't happen. I think you have to have a good solid plan and just work away at it and get it all, get it all fixed. What is something that the current council has done? Like what, what legacies from previous councils uh, excite you and you would like to see uh, continue to expand it? Yeah. I, they're not doing a terrible job. I think it's just, I think there also should be a max term, you know, eight years move on. Right. You, you've done your job, but from Fiaco to Fougere was the stadium. Currently, right now, there's lots of projects on hold, like the conservatory that was 2017 that I just 
read all about. That's a that's a great idea. Why isn't that being built? Currently, what I think they've done well, our streets are getting done. Our downtown looks great. And now we just have to spread that out. That low-income project on the rail yards and, and those two lots, that, that should have been started two years ago. I don't know why. It's all of a sudden an issue now. Jerry Flagle says, well, council's been sitting on their hands. We've got to get something done. Well, you are on council. So how can you... What's the difference if you're mayor on council? It's still not going to get done. You're just blaming yourself for that, basically. What we have to worry about now is if we get shut down again. That's our big thing right now. And I guess you can't start a project like that if you're going to be, nobody's going to be in it. With uh, things like trying to push projects like the rail yards uh, and like spreading the, uh, the, the, the tangible benefits of um, the downtown outward throughout the city. The downside of that is that everything costs money, right? Multiple uh, council ca- uh, council candidates and uh, some of the other people who are running for mayor are talking about things like tax freezes. Uh, and you were mentioning um, value for tax dollars. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the tax burden in Regina? It varies. Like I have people that have over in the creeks that pay five grand in taxes and they haven't seen a grader down their street in two years. It's like, wow, that's, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Like, yeah. so value for tax dollars. I, most people I talk to don't mind if their taxes go up minimally. They just want to see something done for it. They just don't want to have it go up and see nothing. You walk outside, if your taxes went up and you walked outside and your sidewalks and your streets were done and you go, oh, you know, my tax dollars are at work. <laughs> at least you see something that's being done for yourself or you, you feel that it's being done for yourself. If you are to get elected, what would you want, say you do like four years, or you mentioned like term limits, eight years. Let's say you do the eight years. What would you want your stadium to have been? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you want your legacy, yeah. what do you want to be known for as mayor of Regina? Just doing things for the people. That's about it. Just being known for getting things done. You don't have some big project in mind that you want Darren Bradley's name on at the end of it? <laughs> no, nothing. Just... I want the people to not, you know, not complain about your taxes and, and right. not, you know, it, yeah, taxes might be high, but at least you're seeing stuff get done and you're happy. I want people to be happy and inclusive in Regina and our, our people are so diverse here. It's, it's crazy. What do you think about the policing situation? Uh, I think we need more police and I'm not happy with our 44, possibly $80 million patch on the police station that's going to maybe be deteriorated in five or 10 years. So I, I was looking at Saskatoon's new department and it looks amazing. And it would only cost like, I think it was 110. So if we're going to spend 50 some now and 50 some later, why not just spend a hundred now and build new? Yeah, we need more. We need more police on the street. They're, they're overworked right now. I talked to many of them and they're, and they're on calls that they shouldn't be on calls. It's, our drug problems terrible. Friday night, I was out picking up needles with Queen City Patrol, and just seeing that is it's <laughs> eye-opening. More people just need to do that one night a week and go, "Wow, like this is happening in Regina," and you're like, "This is happening all over Regina." I don't think you'll be surprised to hear me say this, but you're kind of a dark horse candidate. You're up against mm-hmm. some big money, known quantities. You're up against like Jerry Flagle and Fougere have been on. They've been on council since forever. Uh, Sandra Masters, who seems to have a lot of cash in her pockets and a lot of mm-hmm. profile. Assuming you don't win, how will the process of running for mayor, how will it have changed you? <laughs> Knowledge. The emails I get, like four or five hours a morning. And the feedback I get is like, like I literally get an email, I will reply to it. And they're like, whoa. Whoa, 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 we usually never takes two weeks to get a reply here from the city. You were just replied in five minutes. And I think that, and that me door, door to door is the same thing. It's like, what? You're running for mayor? I've never seen a mayor at my door. That's changed me everything. Like changed me in every way. Do you think that it will elevate your level of engagement going forward? Oh, totally. Yeah, I think more will, more will happen. Get on more boards. On the Pacer Park board, so that we develop that whole park out there with the city, right. probably be more more involvement, more community involvement, maybe. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot for doing this.
Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. That was our interview with Darren Bradley, candidate for mayor of Regina, on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned in to the community. Up next, our interview with George Woolridge, another candidate for mayor of Regina. I have had an incredibly difficult time finding information about what you're running on. Um, you don't have a, a bio up on the city's website. Uh, I had to go ba- basically off of what was in the uh, profile in the leader post. You seem to be running a stealth campaign. Like, how are you getting the word out about what you're doing? Um, I'm going. I'm going door to door. Um, whenever the media comes knocking, I always answer. Um, I answer all the emails that have come my way, and there's there's been quite a, a healthy amount. Um, the the issue for me, and I'll be quite honest, is I just don't have the same money as Fougere and some of the other front runners. Uh, that does have an impact. Um, I've currently been recalled to my job at uh, guard of security at the airport. So yeah, I've I've pretty much been living a life of of literally over a million over a million people in Canada, which is surviving on on CERB and uh, EI and I'm, I'm going to be honest about it that's that's what I've done you know I've I've been a Canadian taxpayer since the age of 16 so I, I guess I've reclaimed a little bit of what I paid in what is it then that has inspired you to run for mayors uh, I guess the, the first thing is is um, I want somebody to vote for I'm going to be honest about that because um, it's it's quite disturbing about um, this leadership, this mayoral campaign where um, everybody seems to think we can, you know, lift up railway lines and put them wherever we want and build, um, you know, baseball diamonds on land that's been contaminated for 80 years. Uh, you know, this, this is, who's going to it? you know, um, Scott Moe asked that to Ryan Miley, who's going to pay? Well, in this mayoral campaign, who's going to pay? Because I'm, I'm running against eight fellow candidates who... Honestly, most of their their promises are are going to cost the taxpayer, either the Saskatchewan taxpayer, the federal taxpayer, or the provincial or the city municipal taxpayer. And honestly, um, no, we we need to f- to fix what we have. That's the biggest thing. We've also got a pandemic, and anybody who thinks that this is going to go away, sort of, you know, in a box politely, they're, they're uh, no, sorry, that's not how it works. It's never worked like that in history. It's not going to work now. So we have to make sure that our frontline services have all the resources they need. And also a big elephant in the room is water quality. Um, we, we've had, in my mind, unacceptable levels of lead in the latest testing of municipal water in Saskatchewan, and that includes Regina. So again, we definitely have to do things differently. Um, I would say no more me- mega projects. If we absolutely have to do grade separation of railway lines, to me, it's an underpass. Doing anything else in terms of relocating those railway lines, you're just going to cut huge checks to CN and CP, and you're not going to get any guarantees of solving the problem, honestly, because the plan right now is to move the CN and CP traffic onto a joint line in the Ross industrial area. Uh, There's a lot of problems with that, because you're going to cut off a bunch of industries um, from their current local railway service, and also you're just you're just superimposing the problem onto another part of the city. The 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 lead the lead connector problem is something that there is a program in place right now to get that solved. Uh, water quality is one of those things that's uh, been an issue. Um, those are still expensive things to take care of. Do you know what I mean? Like, where yeah. do you, where they're do you line services. Yeah. yeah, but they're, they're frontline services. They're basic services that everybody needs and uses. Right. The trouble with something like Ring Road or um, another stadium downtown is you're paying for sports fans and commuters who use the Ring Road and you're, you're giving them sweetheart care. Whereas mm-hmm. people in North Central, uh, Cathedral, other areas of the city, they they need their services upgraded, to be honest. Like, we still have way too many streets that, uh, quite frankly, I'm surprised the city hasn't been taken to court for car repairs. We need to also make sure that mental wellness is being taken care of. There's a whole series of issues with law enforcement that we need to deal with. 
including, I would say, having some form of plebiscite on the future of the RPS. Um, because we do have to, to ask citizens, what do you want from your police force? We also have so many issues to deal with, with poverty. Um, a city like Regina should not have homelessness. We have to do everything we can to, to eliminate homelessness. Before, and again, water quality, things that everybody uses. The trouble with um, Fougere's plan and Master's plan and Flagel's plan and most of the other candidates, uh, unfortunately, including Jim Elliott. It's because I, I noticed that Jim Elliott seems to think that CN and CP will cost share rail line relocation. That is absolutely false. That has never happened in any city in Canada. The railways want to have a nice big check cut for them to do the work. They're not going to do it for free. They're not going to cost share. Honestly, um, the, the way that CP and CN have often acted, and I, I, this comes from somebody who used to work for both railways. Mm -hmm. Like I was happy to, to, to have a livelihood from those railways, but their business is, is moving trains and moving products. It's not about being convenient in people's neighborhoods. Um, the fact is the trains were there first, again, and they are economic engines. So I don't see why they would suddenly sort of decide, oh, it's it's our job to be the greatest neighbor in Regina and cost share or fully cost relocating railway lines. It's not going to happen. A general thing that you were talking about in uh, the uh, Leader Post profile was better pu public transportation. Uh, how, do you, how do you envision uh, the bus system improving in Regina? First thing, frequencies. Got to be more frequent. Um, because if when you go any higher than a, a 15 minute more wait, or 15 minute or more uh, laps in the schedule, people are just going to say, oh, I can walk, I can get a ride, I can do something else. And, th and that's not how it should be. Um, I would say that we should have a fair free zone in downtown. Um, we could extend it like, like, you know, we can discuss the boundaries of what that would look like, but Calgary has a fair free zone downtown. And I think if, if we're looking to be a city of the future, you know, let's aim high. Let's let's not be a, a poor cousin to Winnipeg or, you know, Saskatoon's, you know, little brother. No, let's let's be something far better than that. You know, aim high. And I, and I would even consider having as many European and, and even I think a few U.S. cities have eliminated fares. Um, because the fact is, is the cost recovery with transit at best is from the fare boxes 30 to 40 percent. Um, ironically, Via Rail and STC used to get seventy percent back from the fare box. Right. So just something to consider. Do you have an idea for something else? Like, say you were to become mayor for four to eight years, whatever. Uh, do you have an idea of what you would want to be known for? I think I, I'd like to be the mayor that was a champion and that that brings the city together. Um, I know that sounds sloganeering, but honestly, like our our current candidates all have issues with bringing the city together. Like right now, we're, we're an unbelievably divided city for such a small city. And we, we, need, to come, we need to come together and, and, and build ahead. And that includes in involving our First Nations people. That includes um, making sure we have no homeless people. It means taking care of people who have mental issues and drug addiction. We, we need to reach out more than we've ever done before. Because again, uh, the only way we're going to get through COVID successfully is together. Uh, the city recently uh, made a commitment. Uh, it's their uh, renewable city motion where yes. the city is like committed to converting, well, to shifting to 100% renewable energy by 2050. I'm not seeing anybody uh, apart from Jim Elliott talking about this, uh, whether they're a council candidate or a mayoral candidate. Uh, how does this, what, what does this pledge mean to you? To me, I think we can do way better. I, I would actually consider bringing that target ahead, um, possibly to 2035. Um, because it's the trouble with setting these goals for a year like 2050 is that mo all of the councillors who've made any mention of that are not going to be around. Um, it's, it's, I would have to say I'm going to be blunt. It's a cheap promise. Over in Europe, we have countries that are eliminating the sale of fossil fuel vehicles. Um, we've got cities that are taking huge measures um, towards a sustainable environment, even here in North America. You've raised 
uh, some important issues and uh, you have a, uh, a take on things that uh, is different from the other candidates. How do you see yourself beyond election day advocating for those ideas at the municipal level? I, th- I think I, I just keep doing what I've always done, which is advocate on every level. Municipal, I think, is, is probably the most important right now because, unfortunately, um, on Monday, I think we're going to have a very arrogant SAS party government reelected, and we have to have champions. And unfortunately, I, I, think, I think there needs to be a discussion on, on how we're going to confront the SAS party and also the, the conservative agenda in Saskatchewan. Um, because honestly, we, we do need to progress. We, there's so many things we need to do. There's so much um, harm that's happening to citizens, and, and we're regressing so much. I, whether I'm the, the front man or the, the iron behind the velvet, I'm, I'm going to be there. Okay, so that was our interviews with Darren Bradley and George Woldridge, who are running for mayor of Regina. Man, with all these people who are running for mayor of Regina, who is going to be mayor of Regina? And with so many people running for mayor of Regina, it's a wonder anything's getting done in Regina right now. I know, because frankly, I believe uh, 30% of the population is running to be mayor. And, and the other 70% are just closing their eyes until it's all over. Who can blame And there's us. There's us. Eyes open, fixed on the mayoral race. Pouring our heart and soul into informing the public about how it's going. Precisely. All right. Well, I think with that, it's uh, time for us to wind this meeting down. Very well. Well, I will move to adjourn. I will second that motion. All right. Motion is passed. Meeting is adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. Your hosts are Paul Shen and Aidan Morgan. Music is by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, we are broadcast Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m. and Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, you can find us uh, at cjtr.ca as well as our Twitter, uh, Queen City IB, and our website, queencityib.com. And remember that IB stands for Improvement Bureau, not Irritable Bowel. Please stop confusing us with that. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the cockpit, and then it's music all on through the night. That's all. Keep on improving, Regina. <laughs> <laughs>